The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This podcast was brought to you by Dragon Shield. Check out the affiliate link down below to help support the show. Welcome to the Play to Win podcast, where we talk about winning in CEDH. I'm Cam. I'm Dylan. I'm Tyler. And this week, we are going to be reacting to our patrons' hot takes. I am so excited. Me too. So they're not my hot takes. No, right? They're <laughs> not my hot takes either. So we left a little note on Patreon to ask for your hot takes. And we're going to read them. These are specifically CDH, but sometimes Magic the Gathering hot takes? Yes, they are. Okay. Not politics. Not politics. Oh, that's good. Not politics, no. Okay. So we're just going to jump right into them, as we always do. And we're going to start off with Christopher's hot take. Uh, two mana counter spells are bad, LOL. Hmm. One I want to begin with, are we rating these? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, like, do you mean of like all a- the things we can't rate, guys? I know you're obsessed, but for the like, love of God, do you we want to can't- do a top ten? Like, are we doing like the top ten best or top ten worst takes? Or we could just rate them at a two. Like, a two is a good hot take, but one is not a good hot take. Or should zero be no, not bad hot take? You can kinda- just say it's a good or bad hot take. This is nothing I'm to not do gonna with. Be able to track that very I think, well. I think just saying if it's a good or a bad take is okay. I kind of feel bad like putting someone on blast and say, "Hey, this is a bad you- take." I'm, I'm going to read their name like right. i don't want to put them on blast and yeah, be like you we'll have be the nice. worst take of the day so is a good take a, a take that we agree with we're saying and then a bad take is a take that we do not agree with yes well that's a, agree or standard just definition. yeah i think that's okay. a standard definition so what was I this think hot we could take also again? say hot if something is spicy that's what i'm looking and for and if it's something that we all agree with we can say that it's a cold take or a cool take for so it'd be more positive it depends on the take, because I'm sure some of them some might will be, be cold Some of them will be factually cold. <laughs> but some of them might be cool takes, cool. yeah. Okay. If it's an interesting take, that's a cool take, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I'm so unsurprised that you've managed to overcomplicate this already. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, wait, say this one again, what's this? So Christopher says, two mana counter spells are bad, lol. Uh, I think this is a little warm. I, I kind of I have been coming around to two mana counter spells very recently, but for a while I did have this take. I think I'm in the opposite direction that I think they're underrated right now, just yeah. because um, more flexibility to counter creatures is, seems to be a lot more important lately, and most of the good counter spells that also hit creatures cost two mana. But I'm not about to run counter spell either. So yeah, mana drain and delay have been good for me recently. I had cut those for a long time, but recently I've been liking like the versatility and the catch on this. CDH has gotten very wide. I feel like it's not just I don't see the same thing every single time. I see a whole bunch of different stuff. So I I like catch alls like mana drain right now a lot. I would say this take is like probably 45, 50 degrees Fahrenheit. 
For all you Celsius users, I have no idea what the fuck that is. No clue. That's impossible, Math. No one knows how to do that. But I think most two-mana counter spells are bad. Uh, mana Drain is something that I won't leave home without anymore, especially with the meta being so much more creature-reliant, too. I want to make sure I have ways to stop Grand Abolisher on the stack. Yeah. And these two-mana counter spells do that. So I think outside of... Maybe one or two slots in my deck. I don't want any more than that. It's just these two. It's just delay and mana drain. And outside of that, I would agree. So it's it's kind of a it's a take. Yeah, I would say it's a regular take. It's a warm take. Yeah, I will just say that Tails End continues to be close for me, probably, and will be forever, and never actually make its way into my deck. But, but never quite there. But never, <laughs> never quite, quite there. there. Yeah, so it's bad. All right, let's read this one here. Nick Foles says, Dranith Magistrate is an overrated card, tends to kingmake pods if played incorrectly, looking at the Kitten player who already landed their commander when no one else has, and should not be included in Turbo List. I don't think it is as auto-include as everyone says it is. This take has a couple of different points in it. At the beginning, I was like, definitely disagree. I think Janeth Magistrate is one of the best cards in the format right now. As the take was explained, it got a little bit cooler. It started real hot. It, it real came hot. in real hot. Yeah. <laughs> and it took this weird turn into this cool area all of a sudden. I agree it doesn't belong in Turbo Lists, but I don't know if that I think that white belongs in Turbo Lists. So if you're playing white, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't, if you're playing into white, you're not playing into the Turbo, unless you are. The solution to the situation with Kinnon is to just go ahead of the Kinnon player and just play Draineth Magistrate first. Or kill Kinnon and then it's stuck under Draineth Magistrate is the other thing too. Yeah, I think if, if the point being made is that um, it can be played very incorrectly in some pods and Kinnon is the example, I think that's definitely true and I think there are plenty of times that I will see players, um, especially like in, in Swiss rounds, um, make the decision to play it at a time that it is going to set someone else very far ahead. So, like, I see where it's coming from. It definitely happens, but I don't think it makes it bad. Yeah, the card itself is good. It's just, it's so good that it's difficult to play perfectly, kind of is what we're saying. Right? Yeah, because it's not only holding off commanders, but it's also holding off a lot of people's outlets to play through win conditions with, like, Food Chain or even Underworld Breach, Breach yeah. too. Yeah, so... I mean, you could make this argument for all stacks pieces and a reason why you don't include all stacks pieces in your deck all the time, too. This one's just like a, a poster boy of it because Dranith Magistrate is like the best. The effect is piece, so right? good. It's the yeah. best effect in our format. But I think as someone who's playing against Dranith Magistrate, if you are in that scenario where, let's say, Kinnon is that far ahead, I think then it's your job to kind of politic the tables and let them know. Hey, Kinnon's really far ahead. We should focus on maybe not even killing the Drenith Magistrate because it's stopping other people from winning. Maybe we need to use our interaction on Kinnon so that Kinnon can also not win while we all can't win. It also can be something that you can look ahead and politic ahead of times when the Kinnon player casts their Kinnon, or not Kinnon, any commander Magda who plays their commander before you want to play your Drenith. Talk to the table and say like, hey... This sucks, but I have a Tranith. If you can get rid of the very powerful commander, even though you normally wouldn't because they could just recast it, I can help keep it in the command zone. So if you can like politic a little bit, that can sometimes be helpful too. You're, you're, However, you're, you're no. going to say like, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to say in that very specific scenario, if someone says to me, I, I have a Tranith, and like if you can get rid of that cannon, I'll play it, and then we'll be able to lock them out. I'm... I'm going like, okay, well, I don't I don't want you to play the Dranus, so I'm just going to pretend I don't have the interaction for the Kinnon or something. Like, I feel like 
that particular scenario doesn't necessarily play out. You have to talk to the right person, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's just not going to play out. Like if you talk to the person who wasn't planning on playing their commander or didn't need to just yet, maybe they have it, but you're right. It probably is not going to, yeah, you're probably right. It won't work out sometimes. I get it, but we can all agree that it's not an auto include for every single white deck. Not an auto include, but it's close. All right. The real good bean says black is too powerful. That's pretty hot. Hot take. That's that's a very hot take. There's like 13 black cards in decks that have black in them i think blue is stronger than black um so i would say yeah no i don't think black is too strong do you remember when we rated the colors on the show yeah blue and black tied they did tie they did tie in terms of how powerful they are and what they do like black's utility is super strong i don't think it makes it a problem though no i don't think so I'll say this. I, I, I think black does do a lot of very important things, particularly important things to CDH very well. Um, it tutors. It removes um, permanents, mostly creatures, but uh, permanents. And it has tremendous access to card draw with life as a resource. So on, on those axes, I, do, I can see where you might say black is too powerful. I don't think it's too powerful now. Um, but I think we, if, we, if we keep seeing like counterspells and counterspell-like things being shifted into other colors and black starts getting access to that, that might be the thing that would change my mind. It is this fucking close. Yeah, I think I agree with that. It's got a lot of hits recently. Orcish Bowmaster was a recent one, but Dothy, Voidwalker, and Opposition Agent even feel kind of newish to me, although they're probably not that new anymore. But we have gotten a lot of good black cards recently, but I don't think it's too— I don't Maybe it's, it's the one-card win conditions that we're thinking of, like Peer into the Abyss yeah. and like Ad Nauseam and Necropotence, like these kind of big heavy hitters that draw most of your deck for a very low—well, pretty high, but very low cost half the time. So there's a lot of things to agree and disagree with there, but I definitely don't think it's too powerful. Not too powerful. This take is hot. Yeah. Piping. It's a hot. Piping, yeah. Drunken Housecat says, if you're playing proxy lists or making strict downgrades in the name of budget, it is no longer CEDH. Budget is inherently incompatible with the term CEDH. Wait, if you're playing proxy lists... It says if you're playing proxy lists or making strict downgrades in the name of your budget. I think by if if you're playing proxy lists, they just mean that you're playing with real cards, but you're not making budget restrictions. Oh, it's okay. proxy lists or proxy, proxy less. Proxy less. Proxy, proxy less. less. L-E-S-S. So if you're playing like without a guy's cradle because you choose, uh, you don't want to buy a guy's cradle and you're not playing proxy. If you're playing proxy lists and you are making downgrades. If you're choosing to play like technically a worse version of your deck due to budgetary reasons is basically what this is. Uh, for example, there's a lot of local game stores that don't allow proxies. Yeah. So the... Where this comes up, you'll see like chatter online about people saying, hey, my local game store doesn't allow proxies. I can't afford a Gaia's Cradle. How good is my Kinnon list, for example? Yeah, right. And then all the comments say, buy a Gaia's Cradle. <laughs> not helpful. <laughs> that's, that's not helpful information. Yeah. Was the question, does it make, are these decks CDH? What was the final part of the question? So it's, well, it's a take. It's not a question. Oh, right. <laughs> it's that it's like making strict downgrades to the name of budget makes your deck no longer CEDH, and that budget is inherently incompatible with the term CEDH. I think this is hot. I think this is hot, too. I, I think CEDH is more about like a, um, a mentality and a commitment to the game plan and that sort of thing. So I think, I think you can be some, some cards off and still say this is a CEDH deck with some downgrades. I, I think gatekeeping CEDH to like every card must be the optimal choice and 
using budget as the the way the way to say like this is the one cutoff where like any decisions based on this make it no longer CDH. I think that's that's a, a step too far for me personally. I think I agree. CDH, like you said, is more of a mindset than anything else. And I think there's a lot of personality that still gets put into how people play. Not everyone's going to play the best with the same 99. Everyone has different thoughts and opinions that go into the decisions that they make in their deck. And I would rather play CEDH in a budget environment than not play CEDH in a budget environment if I had no other options. Definitely. And I don't want to gatekeep other people from enjoying the same things that I enjoy just because I'm enjoying it differently because I do play proxies. Yeah. I, I completely agree with both of you. There's not much else to say besides um, I think it, you should just bring it up like as a rule zero. If you're trying to play CDH with someone, you say like just a heads up. If you're not in a tournament, say this is just like a, a, a budget CDH list just so everyone knows and just so everyone's on the same table. But it doesn't make it not CDH. It's just a budget CDH list. I actually see this take a decent amount online. I actually don't know how hot of a take this is just because a lot of people have it. But it's not one. It's not a take that we agree with. So. Right. It's not a take. Yeah. Let's talk about something else. Great. I have a great hot take here from Tyler. Not you. Cards that make you get rid of a second card to use, though they're good, they're not as good as everyone makes them out to be and can require you to ditch cards that are a lot more important. Oof, I don't know how good everyone makes them out to be, but I think they're pretty fucking good. I think this is Free a stuff is great. hot ass take right yeah. here. Free I think stuff yeah. is very good. Force uh, of Will is the strong was one of the strongest cards in the game, without a doubt. Maybe, I guess, a, if a card is played in every single blue deck, how do you call it overrated or underrated, I guess? Like, it's it's still so good, and you getting rid of whatever you're countering is definitely better than whatever else you had in your hand. It is a cost. It is like a cost you have to think about when building your deck. You can't only have Force of Will as your only blue card in the deck. That's not going to work, right? You do have to think about that a little bit, but it's easy to think about that when blue cards are so good and you want to put them in anyway. With some of the other ones, it can be a little bit more of a cost if you're not playing that many of that card. If you're in four colors and maybe one of your colors is more of a splash, I can understand limiting the amount of these because you're just not going to have the ways to cast it but that doesn't mean it's not strong it means it's just maybe not for that deck that means that like typically outside of nimrus i will normally play up to two of these effects being force of will and force of negation those are almost staples for me yeah uh, me too but and not all... misdirection and commandeer for a lot of people no like in nimrus uh, if it, if your deck can make up that card disadvantage i think that makes it a lot more disappealing definitely Whoa, no, I ma- makes it a lot more appealing. I understood what you meant, even though it wasn't exactly I what you said. I said the completely wrong thing, yeah, though. Yeah, but, and no. your tone was convincing, so yeah, like, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> right? So if you're not able to make up that card disadvantage, then you do want to watch out for it, but... I think as long as you're not overloading your deck on too many of these, like playing every single elemental in your Najila deck, like I, I think it's not going to be that big of a downside. I also think if you believe this, then you have to also believe that um, things that give up card advantage in order to accelerate or make explosive plays like Dark Ritual or Lotus Petal are also wrong or overvalued or something. And I don't believe that either. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a kind of a, a tempo thing. If you can exchange one for the other, mana or time for one of the others, it can normally be pretty good. That's kind of a, a very gray sentence. It doesn't mean a lot, but my way of saying that I think these effects are good. But I do understand if you, by saying you think that they're overrated, if you are seeing people who are playing like five or six of these cards in a commander deck, there does get to a point where you're like, that's too many pitch cards. You're not going to be too able money. to, you're not going to be able to do them half. You know what I mean? Much, so yeah. it depends on what you're seeing and what you're looking at. If you're seeing players who are playing that many, 
no good. But I normally see him kind of where you're seeing. Like you have two, maybe three sub decks like Yuriko who want the big mana cost will play more or something like that. But you're drawing the cards back. Or it all depends on your commander. It depends. Yeah. yeah, but for the most part, out of the gate, I think like two is the regular amount. So yeah, it could be overrated. Let's talk about Rhett's take here. Then you shouldn't feel bad for winning an EDH game. I'm sorry your deck didn't get to do its thing. Build a better deck. This is a very cool take because I I agree with it. Oh, we're, ta we're talking non-CDH here. We're talking about just regular this is a, EDH. Yeah, an EDH game, yeah. Oh, EDH. An EDH game. Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't apologize for winning ever. Uh, I don't think so. Well, this, I, I, mean, I don't know if I agree. I think I think this is one of those comments that like presupposes that there's no rule zero conversation at all, and you're just sitting down to a table blindly with people who are maybe at radically different power levels, and if you just completely stomp three people who are getting into magic trying to play at pre-con level and they're like hey you know we didn't know you were like really into it or something like we were just playing like pre-cons and you're like i don't feel bad i won then you're kind of an asshole so don't yeah, do that okay you're right i agree with that yes, yeah me I too agree with that and i'm thinking if you're playing with your friend group people that you play with every week they know the decks then yeah don't be sorry you know unless you go out of your way to play splinter twin when they're not playing commas then yeah if you do something shady but if you all agree on the power level then yeah you shouldn't apologize but like Tyler said, if you do, if you overstep the power level line, you have to apologize for that. Yeah, one. <laughs> in that case, I would say, yeah, definitely apologize for something like that. I think, uh, real quick, kind of related take that I have is that if there's anything from CEDH that regular EDH should take over, it's mulliganing more. Because regular EDH, 90% of the time, people play with the same CEDH rules, which is you get the free mulligan and it's the London mulligan situation. So you still get to see a lot of cards. So, like, if you're going to keep a hand, like, is that's the first hand that you looked at that has no two-mana rock and has two lands and is only two of your three colors, like, there's stuff that you can do to mitigate that, but um, otherwise, I agree with everything else we said, and we're going to move on. Excellent. Mark says, uh, Dockside has gotten worse as the meta has slowed down and isn't as powerful. Still powerful, but just not as much. This is piping hot to me. This is excruciatingly hot. I disagree. I think he's completely correct, and I don't think that's even remotely surprising. Are you serious? Because really? we're in the center of the sun right now. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah I, I feel like I've been seeing less Dockside, and when Dockside is hit, it has been not as good as I'm used to it being. It's not always game-winning in the same way. My perception of how good Dockside is might be a little skewed because as I've gone up on clones, I'm just, in, in Kinnon, I'm just more and more excited to see a Dockside come down because I'm like, well, if they don't win, I'm, I'm going to win. Maybe we're seeing more value Docksides now where Dockside in the past had been saved for your winning turn. Maybe I wonder if that's going on. Are you seeing it more in the process of Nasdaq's winning or anything like that or still less? Yeah, I mean, look, this could just be chance and variance. I just I just see like I've seen less Docksides resolved and and maybe because of, um, in part, the One Ring, maybe because um, things that preyed on Darkseid-centric strategies were becoming more and more prevalent, I just feel like the meta has shifted a little bit and just like race to a Darkseid is not as viable a plan as it used to be to actually win the game. Darkseid's just a really fast card in general. And like, there's just a lot less decks that are going turn to Darkseid to present and really quick ad nauseum. I think it's still as good as it was. There's just less decks that are maybe abusing it as much as they were previously it's still winning a lot of games maybe i still think dockside is one of the strongest if not the strongest card in the format i in my experience when i see that card the game ends pretty soon after the card's better in the late game too yeah, especially with yeah, more one so. rings going around there's just more artifacts in play and so. maybe i've been playing more tivit and dockside against tivit is really good so maybe i'm seeing docksides for seven when i play my tivit and you're in kin and you're not seeing it as much maybe but i i view docksides very strong right now i think it's strong too i just that's not what the comment said the, the comment only said it's getting it's 
it's getting worse. You think it's, it's getting and, worse. And I can agree that I think it's it is slightly worse than it was four months ago. I feel like um, that's that's been my experience. I guess that but, makes sense. I mean, the faster the format is, the more that you want things that are going to let you be fast. And that's the thing that lets you be the fastest. So I would say it's used less in win cons now. Thrasios decks are not that strong. It's used, you know what I mean? It's not as much, Not we're not looping Dockside quite as, quite as much as using it as just like a ritual. This is what I'm saying. Okay. And you guys started saying this was a piping hot take, and now I feel like you're agreeing. Oh, I'm saying that just because it's not, just because it shifted its roles doesn't mean I'm seeing less of it or being less strong. It's not winning the game with the loop it's winning the game because it can cast the ad nauseum quicker um it's just it's just doing a little different thing it's yeah it's just doing a different role all right franco here says even though it's the best win con in cedh thassa's oracle demonic consultation is so boring it's the equivalent of congratulations poster spelled wrong this was a wrong one this, this is, is yeah this is i don't even think this is like a cold or hot situation i think this is just a a wrong take there's someone else that has this take that's very similar that says that there it, it requires no skill to oh, assemble Thassa's Oracle who, Demonic Consultation. That? Yeah, let's call them out publicly. These you are, wait, these are two publicly? really different things. I'm putting all of the Thassa's Oracle, the negative Thassa's Oracle takes in one because I don't want to talk about it twice. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> We're I only going to talk Oracle, about it once. I think Thassa's Oracle is cool. I think the ways that people get there are different a lot of the times. How they tutor for it and which the which way they go find it is different. I like Thassa's Oracle when cutting. I, th I think it's such a part of CDH. Yeah. A big thing that a lot of people in 60-card formats would always say is that burn is not just like, oh, deal. 18 to 20 damage and kill them like you have to sequence things the right way and there is nuance to what you're doing and it's the same thing with Thassa's Oracle and Demonic Consultation you should try playing it so that you can kind of see that not everyone just lets it resolve you don't just win every single game that you have Thassa's Oracle like there's other stuff that happens you still have to identify the window figure out if you can go for it right. with the tutor like there are so many factors and to say that assembling that combo requires no skill is also to say that assembling any other A plus B combo requires no skill to which i would say no you're wrong i do agree with the person who said it's it's boring but that's like like in a personal sense like i i i like that i have a deck that doesn't win with thassa's oracle because i like sometimes it just feels like oh okay we got there cool um and i think if if you're feeling that then you are a person who likes to have like a, a complicated weird combo line that is you're out but still like the you're still having that moment of like okay the game's over we did it like so i don't i don't think it's that different and even though i i sympathize with seeing it as boring i don't i don't think that's a reason not to play it totally agree well with some of it i, th I don't think it's boring i think it's fun I think it's fun, too. <laughs> I think people will always hate the best thing, which is very funny because we, we're playing CEDH. Right. The whole thing is to play the it's, best thing. It's, I understand it more in, like, 60-card formats, especially when something's, like, a real overbearing problem. But it's extra funny to me that in CEDH, we we hate it. I don't get it. I guess, gonna, oh, sorry. No, please finish your thought. Honestly, I, I guess it is surprising because maybe we're just so used to it but i suppose there is a really thrilling moment that happens every time where you're like all right i'm gonna exile my whole library let's see if anyone has something that they save for this moment Dude, my heart it is sort of the ultimate cliffhanger i yeah. get really going you can bl get blown out there's been more cards like endurance that have been printed that help stop thassa's oracle i'm sure they are they're aware of thassa's oracle they probably print a couple more dylan you just the other night resolved a tainted factor of the thassa's oracle on the battlefield and not only did an endurance get cast but then that endurance got mind break trapped and you had to draw to your essence sentinel yeah yeah that so do you was, remember that, was that? oh i remember yeah, that, one. There that, are one, moments. that one was off camera and late at night and a real stinker <laughs>
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so Kylox says CEDH players genuinely need to stop auto-passing when they don't have interaction. Bluff like you have spells, for fuck's sake. Oh, yeah, I could agree with a little bit of this. You don't want to waste too much time, but a good bluff is never bad. I'm also trying to make sure that I'm asking people in priority order if they have interaction, even when I don't, so that when I ask people if I have interact, if they have interaction, they don't just know that I have interaction. Yeah. I think this take is like oversimplifying something that's actually a very complicated political decision. If you are saying that you're f6 or representing or acting like you're f6 i think you should be making that choice very consciously and being conscious of the message that that sends to your opponents and sometimes you do want to send that message so saying don't ever do that is wrong and i think that's that's incorrect but um you you shouldn't be doing that just by default and if the truth is that you're f6 that doesn't mean you should behave as though you're f6 which it's a very different thing so i i definitely see where they're coming from I agree. You should play every single game of CEDH in sunglasses and a cowboy hat. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Hat, real low like this. The yes, whole time. real low, and yeah. you shouldn't move your mouth whatsoever nope. and just flick your cards really slowly. I do want to get better at pointing at priority anytime a spell is put on the stack. Not little spells like a soul ring or something, but anytime a reasonable heuristic study is put on the stack, just pointing to all four players in turn order, pass, Making pass, sure pass, we're pass. all good with this. Just so we're all yeah. paying attention. We're all going in the correct order. Yeah, because when you don't do that, then when, then when you suddenly are the one that insists on priority hey no i want to do this in priority order the whole table immediately is like oh they have interaction yeah they know which is annoying yeah yeah robert says talion is getting slept on for a turbo thoracle deck red is nice but the card draw in the command zone plus the incidental life loss to shave a few cards off your opponent's ad nause is awesome plus you can run a huge counterspell package slept on so i think this take is kind of actually at odds with itself because um, I don't think that I want to or care about our opponent's ad nauses if I'm trying to turbo a, th- a Thoracal. Yeah. I don't necessarily like the turbo Thoracal part. I think that part is hot. But I think Talion getting slept on for like a control deck that like tries to jam Thoracal consult, I think that is slept on, yes. I think I agree. My question, uh, what does this deck do that Timnacrom doesn't do? Nothing, but like, let's talk about all the other decks that that goes for. <laughs> exactly, like, all those, all those decks like, you play. <laughs> yeah, well, Tivit does, and like I guess, like, there's so many Tivit other things. offers a one-card combo in the in the command zone. It offers something that Blue Farm doesn't. I guess that's true. Okay, well, there's still like a ton of other decks, like uh, Tim the Malcolm. 
Like, I don't know. We can, let's not sure, yeah. cherry pick. Okay, let's just move. Sure. Let's yeah. just go continue on with, with what you were saying. I think Italian's really good, but I don't know that it's slept on particularly. I think it's going to probably, it's probably the best blue black console commander we've ever gotten. Um, but I still think red and white are really good. So I don't think it's slept on per se, but it's good. Good card. I would say if, if you think you should be seeing a turbo build and you're not, um, at least no, knowing a few of the people that I know um, were really workshopping Talion hard and deck building it with other talented deck builders early on, um, even though I didn't mess with it much myself, I have a lot of faith that if they arrived at a turbo version trying to get out Thoracle as quickly as possible is not the best version, I think they're just right, probably. So yeah. I, I, I'm going to disagree with this one. Our good friend Ken left us a, a hot take here. Hello, Ken. The only facts that we can rigorously deduce from CEDH events tracked thus far. Number one, some players are great, like Comedian. Number two, playing more than three colors or three colors is optimal. Those are the only two facts we can rigorously... Whoa, we can rigorously. rigorously. How, how do you say that word? Rigorously? I can't say it. Rigorously? Let's move past that, too. Let's move and past just, the word and the yeah, pronunciation Yeah, and just talk thing. about it. Yeah. I think there's two parts. The first part, I agree with. Some players are just really fucking good, and that's obvious that there is a skill level. I know I hear a little bit of chatter about CDH is too random, and it's hard to win with skill. It's, it is determined. There are some players who are just really good at this game for it sure. It matters, yeah. The three colors thing, I don't know that I, like, I don't, that seems, that feels hotter to me because I feel like every once in a while, a Kinnon or some blue red deck just won uh, the Mox Masters. Like, I feel like one and two color decks do win sometimes. Well, just not as much. All the commanders at surprise events, like Magda and like Teferi, yeah. <laughs> they're all like monocolored. It seems to me that coming to the conclusion that three or more colors is better, presumably, you're starting from the point of, of saying like, okay, looking at their amount of representation, what's the relative win rate of decks with more colors and decks with fewer colors, and then drawing the conclusion that decks with more colors must be better. Um, but the the relative strength of a deck for that color pair is not necessarily going to be the same. What I mean by that is if people are bringing like really bad kind of pet two color decks a lot, then that skews the data. So that doesn't mean that two color decks are all two color decks are necessarily worse. Just the worst two color decks are are much worse. All right, well, I feel like let, I'm explaining this poorly. No, but. There's, me... there's more decks that are close that are two colors than there are close that are four or five colors. I understand what you mean. If you're playing a four color deck, there's a less of a chance that you're playing a weird one and more of a chance you're playing a good one i think yeah i think that's what i'm trying to get at is that some of the the off color decks show up in two color and like the pet commanders and that sort of thing i guess well let's take a look so the i'm I'm on edh top 16 right now and i'm taking a look at the top 12 decks in terms of the numbers of times that they've showed up in top 16s rattle them off to me and we're looking at only two decks that are two or less colors that have seen 13 or more top 16s, according to this website. Kinnon. Kinnon is number four on the list at 39 top 16s, and Yuriko is number 12 on the list at 13 top 16s, with the lowest win percent out of all 12 decks that are on here, and every other deck, all 10 other decks, are three or more colors. Interesting. So I can understand, and this is for all of the events on here. This is the average conglomeration of all of the events on this website. So I can see how when you're taking a snapshot of the best decks, like if we're looking at these, this twelve is like the best performing metagame. Then yeah, it seems optimal to have three or more colors. I can totally get that. I think Ken's take is cool. I think it's a cool take, based in truth and reality, not particularly hot. Yeah, I think it's a very good take. 
A good take. It's a good take. It is a it's good a cool, take. cool, yeah. good take. Kiego says, playing pet cards and deviating from standardized list is a good thing. They might even give you an edge on your opponents who don't expect what's coming. I think I kind of agree with this. As long as you don't go crazy with it, some surprises are how you win games in CDH because people aren't planning for it. I think you can afford one or two. Yeah, I, I think people treat the format as so locked in, especially to card choices with respect to like staples and that sort of thing, that they are reluctant to experiment. And um, even just talking to other um, deck builders, something I think a lot of people will say is like, you got to still read all the casual commander cards. You 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 know shouldn't be glossing over stuff and just skipping it because it feels on its face like it's not playable. I mean, I, perplexing Chimera. Is yeah, pretty good. yeah that's, that's a great example. Is a great right example. Right yeah. of, that's a casual card if I've ever seen one. Until you see it in a CDH pie, and you go, oh fuck, I don't know what the hell to do. Right, yeah, and you know how well it works with all these other pieces that you right. already want to play. Yeah, cool take. Yeah, that's a cool take. Cool take. Great take. Good take. Here's one from Jan. Jan Wildfang. Hey Jan. Always share opponent's hand information with the table. Ooh. I've been saying this for a while. I always this. do this, and I always reveal it because I think people, no matter how many times um, they they try and convince themselves that they are correctly evaluating what hidden information is versus what like um, revealed information is and the relative uh, threat of each of those, they will still... like just by default go okay uh, the information that i know about i'm just going to be more scared of that no matter how much hidden information there is even if an opponent has 10 cards in hand that are hidden they're going to be worried about the two cards that are really good that are revealed so yeah i think always revealing is absolutely correct good call jan what do you think about the the uh the fantasy land that i'm thinking of where you don't want one of your other opponents to know that the opponent's hand that you've looked at has a counterspell in it you want them to go for a win and then when it's on the stack say Hey, other player, I know that this player has a counter spell. We need to make them use it on this spell. This uh, this way, the other player could have not played their win condition because they didn't know that the revealed player had counter spell. I think I said that a little backwards way, but do you know what I'm talking about? I see what you're is saying. Is that worth anything or no, never? I, th I think I think there are probably exceptions where it is right to still not, um, not reveal, but I, I'm just saying by and large, I think it's almost always right to reveal. Interesting. Okay, I normally want to hide that information until I feel it's relevant to release it to the table. I'll probably, Typically, that's what I will do, too. It, I'll tell them over time, maybe, but at first, I want to keep the information and, and then let players know, like, hey, they do have a win, you know what I mean? Get ready now. Um, but I could see, there is like, the one of the issues why Thrasios got a little worse is kind of everyone realized that once Thrasios reveals they have a counter spell, everyone just knows, okay, make Thrasios spend the counter magic. So it's kind of the same thing where like, if you pro get probed that person's hand, now everyone, the whole table has to make that player use the counter spells. Right. So I do get it, but I, I do think this is a little warm, Jan. I'm not going to lie. I, I sometimes, I do want to hold that information. Devin says, blue is overrated. Every game that I play is a 50% chance of me winning or losing. Either they stop me or they don't have it. <laughs> Corvold is love. Corvold is life. I love these stats. Either I win or I lose. 50-50. That's a coin flip. I, I don't think blue is overrated. I think blue is good. It was a hot take that blue's overrated. Yeah, blue's not overrated. Blue is rated. Yeah, this Every is a hot game take. I play is a 50-50. Either win or you lose. Either win or you lose. But, but, I mean, but it's a four-player game. You know, two options, though. I know it's a four-player game, but like it still ends up that One or the, the ratio always works out that I'm either winning or losing games. <laughs> Here, we got one from Kawaja. Excellent. Hello, Kawaja. With the one ring being prevalent in most decks, combat should matter, and hitting people who used to say my life total doesn't matter does matter if they run the one ring. 
This is a cool take. If someone says they don't run Adnaz, ask them very quickly afterwards, do you run the one ring? And if they say yes, attack them then. I think what Quasha is getting at to distill it a little bit is like, we used to go, do you run Adnaz? And then the next thing you ask is, is someone on Sylvan Library? And I think we just need to start adding the calculation of like, who has a one ring or is most likely to produce a one ring in the next few turns. One which ring, is everybody. Like to yeah, me, which is everybody. It's, it's shot runs up in it, yeah. priority over like treasonous ogre even now oh, yeah. too. Like, I think it's just... ad nauseum. The one ring is right next on who I should attack overall. Yeah. Again, it, it's not even like the one ring has to be in play. I'm even trying to target you before your one ring comes down too. So one ring is, is good. Very good. Every deck should play it. Probably that's, that's my hot take. James says stacks is better than counter magic. Wrong. Wrong. Hot. So hot. That's just wrong. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. Hey, hang on. I think we should give this one a fair shake. Okay. It depends on what you mean by better, but I, I will at least say that stacks impacts all of your opponents and counter magic impacts one of your opponent. Um, it is too broad to say stacks is better than counter magic because it, it depends very much on the situation. It depends on a lot of things. Yeah. Saying stacks is better than counter magic is wrong, Ben. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you just said that it's wrong, so saying stacks is better all than right, counter magic right, is wrong. Right, there are right. some times when stacks can be better than counter magic. I think that's what you're getting at, and I agree with that. There are some times. Overall, I want to, especially in CDH, I want to be able to interact only with who I want to, only when I want to, more often than not. I'm a big stacks player. I love Blood Pod, but just overall in power level... I have been playing Sax Sex a lot less recently because I like blues just so much more. And here's another one that's kind of along the same take from John here. Stax is the best archetype, but no one has the mental space or time to devote to really learning the matchups and how to play. Tournaments with current time restrictions also prevent the pilots that do know what they're doing from winning because the other three players eat into time like an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> the problem I have with this take is this was some problem that I have with a lot of takes, which is you got to stop blaming other people for why you're losing the game because there's got to be things that you can do, plays you can make, things you can say in a game to try to make sure that people aren't doing that. And it's not going to be perfect 100% of the time, but you're not going to get anywhere in your CEDH career if you're always blaming other people. And just like that should apply to your life in general. Part of the game, playing around players who are not so great is part of the game. Or if you play, you have to play around what you expect them to do. If you're a stacks player and you find yourself running into the tournament time thing a lot, you got to understand, first of all, this is just a risk you run with a stacks deck because yeah. you need the game to go long um, most of the time. Second of all, um, the onus is on you even more than other players to, if your opponents are taking more time than is reasonable, more than their share of turn equity um, for the actions they're taking, you need to be aggressive about calling a judge or at least informing your opponents like, listen, I'm going to force you not to slow play because it, that is a way that you win the game against me and it is not within the rules. So I'm going to enforce this very aggressively. Yeah, that's part of the game. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing that just stacks takes longer and that's part of it. You have to speak up for yourself a little bit more. Maybe here's part of my take that I'm going to jut into this stacks players should learn how to win the game quickly with their deck too that's maybe yeah, that's maybe part play of the game. a stacks deck that has like an infinite combo in it like have Heliod as your commander so that you have an outlet so that you don't just take the game to time all the time too I will also say to the comment that um no one has the mental space to devote to playing stacks decks and learning like every single matchup Charles the people do exist but they're few and far between I I do kind of agree with that piece that stacks is probably the archetype that is misplaced the most we can if that was the cool version of this take we would definitely agree on that but otherwise this take is a tad hot 
Victor says, I think backgrounds are an underused mechanic and that any non-partner commander should be able to have one. These are two takes. Underused, probably not. You're locked in two colors, and as we talked about, that doesn't seem to be a good way to win CDH games. The all What was that, last part? This, all right, so <laughs> this is all one take, because this is saying that any non-partner commander should be able to have one, which means that this should open up Watsi's design space to allow for, like, more things to be able to happen, maybe more backgrounds we could have. And they also say that allowing us to splash an extra color. This or, would radically change. It would radically change the game, yeah. But, like, how cool would it be if you could, like, have a, a background for Thrasios or Timna? No, I thought it said not partners. Oh, yeah, any non-partners. Specifically Sorry, not yeah, those two. Like Kessar Kinnon. What if you could put Red and Kinnon? This take has <laughs> singed all of my hair. I, I, okay, there is no world in which, frankly, we can trust Watsi to do enough testing to make sure that this does not break many, many things. There are yeah. way too many permutations of commanders and backgrounds or, you know, whatever. And I, I just don't see... The only way they could do this is if the background was so ridiculously underpowered that it was... They couldn't even do it then. Adding colors to commanders that are balanced for being within their colors would just break everything. It might There's be a fun no way you can do this. It might this. be a fun experiment if we just like picked four decks to do this too. Like gave Kinnon red, gave Kess white, gave some other commanders that are almost there an extra color and just see what happens. Yeah. I think we've talked about this before though. Giving yeah, giving extra colors just would break some things completely wide open. Definitely would. I don't think any of the backgrounds are good. But it, it is just the ability to give other decks colors and options that they just didn't have before. I think kind of, I don't know. I think that's a little much. It would be a little much. The take is a tad hot. That's I what think, we asked I think for. this one's a little hot, yeah. yeah. To, so the I extent, like it. to the extent that the core sentiment is, I, I think um, backgrounds are, are underutilized and we should explore more of that design space. Yeah. But yeah. don't go telling yeah. Watsi to do it irresponsibly. No, that would no. change the whole thing. Yeah, I shouldn't just be thing. allowed yeah, to have... Up. <laughs> no, right? Yeah, no. All right, so our last one's from Philip here. It says, CEDH suffers from pseudo-rotation through Modern Horizons and made-for-commander cards as well. And I don't quite like that. Here are the points. It is more expensive. It is harder to get every four commander card when they are in exclusive products like Secret Lairs and Collector Boosters. And getting better at a deck is harder when you have to keep up with the fluid meta. All right. It was all good up until that last part. That last one, yes. But that's why I like Magic is I have to keep up. I don't want it to get stale. I, I want to make sure that stale. things are still changing and it's interesting. I think this take is a little hot. I don't think the new products have changed CDA that drastically like i think suffers is a strong word yeah. to describe what's happening it what's happening we're getting like dothy void walker and opposition agent type cards in the same set like there's times when when we get big impactful not reprint sets but like these eternal that's what it is the eternal sets that come through there's there is going to be some big impactful stuff and there's usually multiple cards that do end up changing the format but i kind of like that i like that too yeah, I, I think the rate of meta shift feels pretty healthy to me. You don't have to upgrade every single time. Like, take some time. Yeah. Yeah, take some time. If you don't want to buy the cards, that's okay. Yeah, I agree with that. There, I mean, it is it is escalating the amount of powerful things that they're printing, but I agree with you. that I don't mind it. I like that they print powerful cards. I like seeing new strong stuff. It's fun. That's the thing. I enjoy playing with fun, powerful cards, and I want more of that. So bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah. Cool. 
Well, those were some pretty hot takes. Thanks so much for watching or listening. If you want to support us directly, you can do so on Patreon, like our $100 patrons. Mark Cirillo, Alan, but all in lowercase. Zachary Nelson, she doesn't even go here. Joey Aarons, SoCal Acura, Stormageddon, Luke Cook, AJ Albosebi, Kylock, Demon of Rosgris, Uncle Butts, Kwaja, A. Hamid, Lauren Connell, and Baby G-Bus. If you'd like to pick up any of our merch, you can do that at playtowinmtg.com. Big thank you to Dragon Shield for supporting the show. Make sure you use our affiliate link down below. Make sure you follow us to get some extra content on Twitter, Instagram, and the other one, TikTok. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Bye. Or listening. It was a podcast. Jabaha, Dalton, Poti, Kadanis, Lutri's dad, Mitchell Shepard, Justin Mansolo, Pedro, Jacob, Deb, Michael, Baloo, Jan Wild, Fang, Thomas, Bueno, Swampy, McGee, and David Nelson. I'm uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable, Tyler? Do you need a pillow? I can get you like a pillow or uh Can I get, do you have a water bed? I have several. <laughs> that is alarming. Do you want like salt who water own, or fresh water? People who own one water bed are probably just like, you know, into light vandalism. People who own more than one water bed, definitely serial killers. Well, in the seventies I bought up a ton, so <laughs> you bought a <laughs> ton of water beds yes, in the now 70s. I just have a bunch. Were you trying to flip them? I bought a bunch of waterbeds in no. the 70s. I bought a bunch of waterbeds in the 70s. I bought a bunch of waterbeds in the 70s. I bought a bunch of waterbeds in the 70s. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.